Hello and welcome to Culture Mocktail, where we unfold and embrace what it means to be a cultural misfit in society. We're your hosts, Noor and Aisha, your two fave best friends, and today we are talking about cultural influences. So being a third culture kid, you come into contact with a number of different cultures. The beauty is that you almost make your own third culture. So with that comes a number of different influences. And there are so many different kinds of influences, right? So in the arts, in beauty, in fashion, in ideals, in traditions, there's so many different kinds of traditions and cultural influences that you can pick up, right? Yeah, and they definitely, I feel like, sort of mold us and like, become part of our personalities as we grow up. When I think of culture influence, I think the biggest thing that comes to mind is beauty and fashion, because I think beauty is something that's very prominent in each different culture, and they all have their different influences. So what do you think, Aisha, is how do you think your influence or what cultures have influenced your ideas of beauty and like in turn how you see yourself? Do you know, it's so funny to speak about influences when we talk about things like fashion now because I think fashion is so it's so global like right now even if you walked in Syria in Egypt whatever I'm pretty sure you would see everyone in our generation wearing similar kinds of things like everyone has their own unique style it's kind of it's not like you would see people wearing like traditional clothing really unless they're just wearing like an abaya but it's not like you would see somebody wearing something more traditional you know like it'd just be like jeans a top or like a dress yeah do you know I think when we talk about like cultural influences I think a huge cultural influence is the internet and the internet is its own culture and I think because even though we have all these different cultures we have our Arab culture you have your Irish culture I have like an international culture I feel like internet culture is like a whole other thing and we are very much very much influenced by it yeah thousand percent it's like a global culture isn't it yeah exactly and that's I think where like our fashion influences come in which is like all these bloggers and the I never did you ever look at like fashion magazines like English fashion magazines and gain inspiration from there no I never did I really think that my honestly honestly you know how it is like whenever you're a hijabi it's like you almost well for me anyway I didn't know that there was a world of fashion and beauty and stuff like that for us like I really didn't I didn't look for it because I just thought oh I can't wear those things or I can't I can't dress that way do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so like this whole modest fashion movement it's something that's very new so it's something that I would definitely say influenced me later on but I would say that that's because of the internet yeah yeah exactly anyone who's Egyptian or lived in Egypt would know about body canina so they sell like full-length shirts and they sell uh like pandanas that you wear and you know like the every hijabi well maybe you don't know but in the beginning, when I was still wearing my hijab, when I started wearing my hijab, the typical Egyptian fashion look is what I'm about to tell you. So you have your body karina, but it's it's like everyone makes fun of it. It's like body karina. It's like I love that you're saying it like that. I was just about to say it's like it's like the body karina. No, but you can't say body karina. <laughs> like that's a different brand. So. There's a typical look. So you have your bochicarina underneath because fashion stores didn't really make like modest wear. They just kind of made 
like normal wear. Even though in Egypt, you would think in Egypt they would make. So a hijabi would wear her bojikarina and then she would wear a half sleeve shirt. And then the bojikarina would have a high neck collar, right? So if you want to do interesting looks with your scarf, your neck is covered. So that was that. So I saw that growing up and I'm like, I want to be everything but that. <laughs> no offense to anyone who ever wore like body karina in that way. Honestly, they have really good stuff. But at that time, I, I was like, you know, when I become a hijabi, I, I just don't want to be influenced by that. Yeah. You know, I, I remember walking in Syria years and years ago, like I was young and seeing this advert of a gorgeous, gorgeous woman, mashallah, like wearing the most beautiful eye makeup look, like the traditional Arab cat eye. And I remember even that kind of look like, that has definitely influenced the way that I like to do my makeup and the kind of techniques and stuff that I like to use even now. You love a Arab makeup look. I do. I really do. But do you know what? I've kind of learned to make it one or the other. It's either eyes or lips. Like it can't be both. All the ads I remember seeing were just like bold everything. <laughs> like bold eyes, bold lips, bold like contour, bold everything. And they're literally like, yes, I'm here bold. Right at your door. You can never be too extra. This thing. <laughs> I think with me, uh, when it comes to like beauty standards, I think of, um, do you know what I think of? I'm very conflicted because I think nowadays in the Arab world, we're starting to embrace our beauty a lot more. Like you're seeing all these social media influencers, you're seeing um, like in movies, like that Arab beauty is we're starting to appreciate our dark hair, our dark features and all of that. But I think definitely when I was younger, it was very much like Western European ideals of beauty was what was desired. And in turn, I think that's what I desired because I thought that's what was pretty. Yeah. I remember thinking that blonde was beautiful because it was like what was exotic right I even wanted like my kids to to be blonde which shows that it was so ingrained in me that like blonde equals pretty and like even other things like western ideals of beauty such as straight hair like most startups naturally we have curly like like bigger hair but I remember every time there's a wedding or every time I have to look pretty it was straightening my hair which is so funny, like how how even as a kid where you're not even conscious of where these like where these beliefs come from and how that belief system was created in you that like blonde equals pretty, straight equals pretty, like all of these things. And it just somehow was ingrained in my head. And it took me until like quite a while when I thought actually dark hair is so pretty and like curly hair is so nice and all of these things. So I'm glad I unlearned that. Um, thank God. But when I was younger, my mom would like every single night I would have to sleep in a hat because it because if I if I showered and my mom would wrap my hair around my head, put a hat on, haram, like I was suffocated. But to her, she was like trying to make my hair softer and like prettier you know and what she thought was beautiful exactly what she thought was beautiful and like I would sleep my the hat would all I would never wake up with the hat on my head but that's besides the point like it was just the idea of like trying to straighten the hair and like there was a stage where every Egyptian got keratin basically like straightening your hair through like chemicals and it just ruins your hair and honestly so many people that had such beautiful curly hair just ended up straightening and I'm like 
why though like you did this for what but i'm glad people are starting to embrace it more you should know that your curly hair is beautiful that your tan is beautiful that if you have freckles like they're beautiful you know mm-hmm. and you know just the last little story on this topic of beauty i asked my mom if i can share this because she told me this the other day it's this whole idea of like the ugly duckling right Being the darkest siblings almost means like you're the ugly duckling out of your siblings, right? And it's very much like the idea of Arabs uh, desiring like European Western beauty. But my grandma, who was who I remember being very, very fair skin, but apparently she was the darkest one out of her siblings. And her and my grandpa had this really long love story, whatever. It was very like untypical of what you'd expect, like like out of grandparents to be like it didn't start in someone's formal living room like it was actually this like love story mm-hmm. and it just um she didn't like her family-in-law because her mother-in-law would always be like why did you marry that one the darkest one out of the family my mom told me this the other day because we were having the whole conversation about like how anti-black is like ingrained in our ideas of beauty and I was like it's this about my grandma like my grandma was so like she was so white and she was so light like how did her mother-in-law think that she was the darkest one and why did she assume that her being the darkest one means that she was the ugliest one it's just so ingrained in us isn't it but you know what's so funny like as you're speaking I'm even thinking in England they also see white blonde blue eyes as beautiful like they also see their own kind as beautiful so why uh, us as Arabs trying to put ourselves on what we naturally are and naturally look like down do you know what I mean like why are we always seeing the western as better because the west also saw themselves as beautiful but somehow Arabs don't you know like that's not what they see as pretty which is like sad it's a shame yeah I think the west is just on this pedestal and it's sad because it wasn't always like this but yeah they they are unlike we always desired like even me actually like growing up I'm like I couldn't wait to go to uni in the UK because the west is better the west is cleaner the west is all of this but you just realize this is off topic but you realize they have the same things going on it's just like hidden and swept under the carpet isn't it yeah exactly but what about other influences like music film maybe the arts how did they influence you in the east because you were in Saudi then you were in Dubai then you went to Egypt so what were your musical and kind of film influences in that way like were they did you watch a lot of Middle Eastern content did you watch a lot of Western things like what did you gravitate towards um I think I watched I, th- I said this actually in the last episode, but I watched a lot of Arabic movies growing up. But then I think as I started to make my own choices, I was just gravitated towards Western media. And I sort of, reg- not regret, but I wish I didn't like just naturally gravitate to Western media because I wish I was like more interested to watch all the Arab things so I could naturally just, I don't know, have that more ingrained in me. But moving to uni even we were talking about this, we just became a lot more attached to our Arab side. And that's so funny because it was the first time I lived in a Western country. But I just started to naturally be more like excited to listen to all the new Arabic songs. And kind of we had a group of like Arab friends at Union. We were always like in with the new music and excited to listen to all of that. But even in uni, like I started to listen to all different types of music, not just Arab music, like 
just a bunch of different cultures. And I think it just makes you more well-rounded. Yeah. What do you think that you're influenced by, like music and film-wise? I think, well, all my life, it was very Western, like very, very Western Hollywood productions, like British, American music, um, always until I actually went to uni. Like when I, because we would go to Syria every summer, um, when I was younger and I would love like Nancy Ashram I would love Hey For Worthy I would love all of that like I would love there was a channel called Toyota Janne was it like MTV no, no, no it was did you guys not have it it doesn't ring a bell maybe it was a Syrian thing but it was basically like an Arabic music channel but it was kind of for kids so it would have like Shakhbat Shakhbat this is how Aja would get lit back in the day I loved me some Nancy um, and me and my cousins would all listen to it like we were young you know like we were what like seven eight um, but yeah apart from that like we really I really didn't get into any kind of any of the Arab arts so to speak like music film any of that actually until uni like I think uni is when I rediscovered it with you mm. and kind of like embraced that part like we had an Arab society as well so we would do events and like get up Arabic music make playlists and I think actually that was a time like in second year when I was looking for that kind of stuff that I was like actually I really like this and it makes you feel so connected yeah doing those events and like being a part of that made me feel so much more connected because the thing is I love music like that's one of my biggest passions you know so being able to find that and connect it to my Arab side like made me feel so much more connected to it in a new way and in a way that I really enjoyed yeah exactly and do you think you connecting to your Arab side through music did it distance you from your western side or did it just make you feel more connected to your Arab side like how did it influence the western side I think that basically no I don't think it made a difference like like I said to you before I think I've always been very connected to both sides but this was almost like a discovery where I was like okay like I love this too there's space for this that I didn't realize like I didn't realize that this was a whole world that I would love when I looked into it I was like oh like I love this and it definitely made me feel connected to that part of myself but it didn't take away from anything else it was just an addition do you know what I mean yeah and we had many nights in uni where me and Aisha would go through Arabic songs translate them for her go step by step didn't we what was one of the first ones that we did do you remember yeah it was um it was Hagawas Hagawas and I was just like oh my god I love this and me and Nord would literally we'd like do a whole acting scene around it like this is the thing like so my Arabic is Syrian Arabic right so because this song was Egyptian, I would need Nord. Like, I could not understand an ounce of Egyptian Arabic. Like, I needed Nord to translate everything for me from beginning to end. I was like, what does Nahardha mean? Why can't they just say Yom? Like, I don't get it. Yeah. So Nahardha means today, but in different dialects, like Arabic dialects, we say it differently. But do you know, Aisha, it's so funny because I grew up around this kind of music, but I never really felt connected to it. And I think meeting you as well as other Arabs in uni made me feel so connected to it because we just enjoyed like putting it on like dancing to it having a good time to it so I think it's so interesting how like I grew up in the Middle East but I didn't fully connect to it like although I knew the songs but I didn't actually connect to it until like us in the Arab society would play it 
but like we were even saying in the episode before, like we embraced all of those different cultural parts of ourselves in uni. So it's almost like it was natural for us to kind of like start to enjoy everything that that came with together throughout that time. Do you know what I mean? And like, obviously we're both Arab. So we both had that to kind of enjoy and did it together, you know? Yeah, exactly. So what would you say your ideals and behaviors and like mindsets what culture influences do they come from I mean so obviously being Muslim my ideals and kind of like the way I think religiously um my kind of boundaries I guess would all come from my Syrian side because it's more to do with religion right but outside of that I feel like my ideals naturally like growing up in a western country my ideals are very western for example the topic of marriage my way of thinking would be very different to a lot of my family back in Syria you know like what do they call them like uh yeah like I mean it is an arranged marriage but just to anyone who doesn't know it's basically like your friends setting you up on a blind date but with your family instead of your friends yeah exactly and I remember growing up I remember like I'm talking teens I remember that being something that I just thought like oh my god no it was almost something that I was afraid of and I'd be like oh my god that would never be for me like I could never do that because I guess you know and it's so funny looking back because I remember it's almost like that those western ideals had entered into me so much that I couldn't see that oh it's actually just normal for them like it's Mm -hmm. just two people exactly like you say like meeting like they're going on a blind date do you know what I mean so when I kind of look back at my teen years I do see that I was very influenced by western ideals to the point um that I would almost see Arab ideals as weird Mm, for sure obviously then growing up like you realize and you think okay like that's the way that they do things like it's not weird like that's what works for some people like different people have different preferences right as I was getting older that was kind of the I was kind of opening my mind to the fact that it wasn't how the west kind of made me think that it was you know yeah and I feel like the west sometimes like I don't know if it's consciously or subconsciously but almost like claims to be open-minded and we've talked about this before but then shutting off the idea of like arranged marriage is something so weird but being open-minded means trying to understand why they have arranged marriages and what the whole purpose behind it is and what is good about it and how it actually could be a positive thing I'm not here like by the way advocating (laughs) not for me personally but it could be for other people exactly I think the main thing that people get confused there is forced and arranged like I'm exactly the same it wouldn't be something I mean god knows we might be surprised like I'm not ready to be surprised Aisha (laughs) (laughs) but what I'm saying is like um I think the west can can see something that's different and almost be afraid of it rather than looking to see like okay what is this about and then naturally growing up here and being around people that were fully like English white those kind that kind of translated to me I guess what do you think in terms of your mindset and your ideals what what would you say you gained from everywhere that you've been? I think very much like you. I think a lot of my ways of thinking and a lot of my thoughts and things like that do come from Western like ideals but I also do gain a lot of influence from Arab culture um I think one of the things I don't know if this is a bit random but my sleeping pattern like us Arabs love staying up late but I I can never I can never go to bed 
early I think that's like the most Arab thing about me do you know what that's so true I feel like I feel like I can say the same for myself and it's something I feel like we spoke about in uni right like why are we always up until like 4am what is wrong with us and 4am is a good early night sleep (laughs) (laughs) yeah but you know um something else I think that we both get from my Arab side is very much the idea of like not being scared to I don't want to say call people out, but like with customer service and like shop assistants and things like that, I think British way is very polite, isn't it? Overly polite. Like it's, I think sometimes Arabs can come across as rude and I don't like that. I think you definitely should be always polite to people. Arabs have no BS. We can't deal with it. Yeah. No, like literally cutting any crab, like... I feel so fake. Because we've had to re-record. Honestly, do you know the fact? So, we're still in Egypt. I am still in the UK. Quarantine is still a thing. So, guys, we're not going to lie to you. We just had to do a little stop recording, re-record. Because the sound was awful. Yeah. I mean, I hope it's better now. But, yeah. So, what we were saying is that Arabs don't really take crab. Like, But we're, we're nice people. We're great people we just are very straight to the point exactly so I feel like sometimes Arabs can come across as very rude even though they don't mean to and western people can be like extra polite like overly polite and I think I think me and Aisha would you agree that we both it's not that we come across as rude but like if we feel like there's something that doesn't make sense we kind of challenge it or call it out the same way that my dad would, which is so Arab of him. Like a hundred percent. Like I think we're just very straight to the point and like, okay, what do we need? Like what needs to happen? Okay, yalla. None of this like in between. Khalas, let's get to the point and finish. Yeah, which is very Arab. Yeah, I feel like some people see that as like aggression, but it's not aggression. It's it's just if you can move from A to B in a straight line, why move like in circles and squiggles and little like rainbows around it just let's go exactly and we were saying that for example um like we we have quite specific dietary requirements for example i'm vegan and aisha is the fussiest eater you're probably ever me i mean we've come a long way with her yeah. when we go to a restaurant sometimes she wants to order from the from the kids menu guys but listen the reason that i need to order from the kids menu is because sometimes they just have the only option that i'm gonna eat i don't want your fancy steak with like your drizzle of lemon and pea and whatever the hell else sauce it is like i don't want that sometimes i just want a basic margarita pizza or a burger or a burger sometimes i just want a burger so why can't you give me that And like Kylie said, if you want a burger, (laughs) then eat a burger. So in a restaurant, if they're like, oh, sorry, we can't give you the kids menu because it's for everyone under 12. We'd be like, we'd call BS on that. We'd be like, actually, like, we're going to pay for it. Why does it matter how old she is? Some might call it difficult. (laughs) It isn't difficult. Listen, it's so easy. You're being difficult for telling me no. Yeah. But can I say something? Honestly, when I was younger and I would see my dad pull things like that out of the bag, I'd be like, Baba, why are you being so difficult? Like we'd go to a restaurant and there'd be like a drop of water on a table and he'd be like, I'm paying for this service. I'm not going to sit on the table that has water drops. And I'd be like, oh my God. Like I'd be so like, oh my God, Baba, you don't have to make a fuss out of these little things. But now I'm like, you know what? I feel like I see myself in him (laughs) because I'm like, why should we settle for like 
for things that we're paying for. No need to be rude. Obviously, be polite. But I don't need to. Sometimes you just need to call things out. Sometimes you do exactly. I think that also comes with age, though, and confidence. And it's not a thing about being rude at all. I think it's just being very straightforward. And like you, know, you're paying for a service, or you're paying for whatever it is, and you're relaxed. Like you can be very polite in the process and friendly and nice, but you're just getting straight to the point, you know. But you know, um, yeah. Like I saw myself in my dad when I was telling about the story about the scarf. Like the woman wouldn't let me in the changing room because she said that. I wanted to try a scarf on my head, but she said it's from the accessories section of the shop. And I was like, but mom, why? Like, I just want to try it on. Like the same reason I can try a shirt on, I can try a scarf on. And we had this debate and like in the back of my mind, I'm like, think like Ali Abu Saif. Ali Abu Saif is my dad. <laughs> I'm like, think like my dad. Think like my dad. Like, I didn't want to be rude, but I was like, I just want to put the headscarf on my head inside of the changing room. Why is this such a big deal in your rules? Like, you, you don't need to... Like, I, I just didn't understand. In the end, she let me go in because I think she realized how stupid the rule was. <laughs> Is this me being entitled? <laughs> At least I'm aware of it. I just wanted to go in the changing room and try on your scarf. Yeah, and she was telling me, try it on here outside. I'm like... But you can't. Can you not see I'm wearing a headscarf? Like, I- I'm wearing it for religious purposes. Like, can I just go inside the changing room and try it on? But younger me would be so scared to do that because I'd be like, oh, I don't want to cause a fuss. Like, it's embarrassing. I don't want to be difficult. I feel like it's also something that comes with age, also confidence. Yeah. I was also going to say, believe it or not, and anybody who knows anybody Irish Arab or knows anyone Irish, a lot of the, like, the mentality, I'm not going to say, like, mindset and typical ways of thinking because obviously their cultures are so different, but their mindset in terms of strong mindsets like you aren't ever gonna meet anyone stronger than an arab or an irish person so imagine the mix bizarre fireworks but literally like irish the irish mindset is very like headstrong like they always say you don't mess with an irish woman and oh my god are they right irish people in general they're very friendly outgoing people you know very similar to Arabs. Yeah, very loud. Irish Arabs, very loud. <laughs> like, oh my God, guys, if nobody's been outside of Selfridges, you need to just hear Selfridges, Knightsbridge. In London. All you can hear, you would think the place is Arab, obnoxious Arabs taking over the place, playing their loud music in the cars. Like, that's what we're like, right? No, Arabs are obnoxious. But you know what? I actually love it. Like, it makes me feel so at home walking down walking down London and just hearing Arab music playing and everyone, like, loving it. And then everyone also not loving it, thinking, what the hell is this music? Yeah, everyone's, like, being so loud. So. This is something you can probably agree with, too. Like, Arabs, I think, especially, are very passionate people, mm-hmm. which I love. I think they're just very loving with the people that they love and they're very expressive and they're very like vocal and very they're just I feel like we're very loving people yeah and Arabs I think are quite social yes definitely yeah I don't get that from the Arab side (laughs) she's like nope see you later (laughs) I like see you never (laughs) no I'm joking Do you know, even everything we're saying, I'm actually even almost realizing myself, like, wow, the Arab and Irish, they actually are so similar. Yeah. So I think in conclusion, I think for me, with my traditions and my mindset, I think it's a very much, very much of a balance. Like you said, 
um, my kind of my moral compass and that sort of aspect of me comes very much from religion. But I don't really want to associate that with Arab, although it is associated with Arab, but I just prefer to kind of separate like what culture is and what religion is because they're very different. But in terms of like my behavior, like I said, I think it just comes from both Arab, both Western, like it's just it's just a mocktail mix. So what a podcast title. What a reference. No, exactly. I feel like honestly, you pick little things up from everywhere that you go and like every culture that you integrate with. And um, yeah, that's how your little mocktail mix is made. So shall we round this up? Let's go. So thank you guys for listening. Make sure to follow us on IG at Culture Mocktail. Rate us on Apple Podcasts and please write a review. There is going to be a new episode every Tuesday. So make sure you tune in. And embrace your mocktail. And keep flourishing. Flourishing.